So glad that you're with us. We're jumping into a, another message in our series, People Problems. You still got those? I got a few of them. Maybe you got some too. Um, and uh, today's a little bit of a tougher conversation, but I think it's a necessary one and a good one. Uh, before we jump into it, let me just uh, pray for our time together here, prepare our kind of hearts. God, we thank you so much for loving us and for giving us your word. We're here for you. We're not here for me. We're not here for us. We're just here to worship you. I pray that as we dig into your word and seek to apply it to our relationships, that uh, you give us wisdom and clarity, courage and faith. You know our hearts, you know what we need, and we seek it from you. So we ask that you would just be uh, helping us to be more like Jesus today, and it's in his name we pray, amen. amen. This is a difficult conversation that we're having today a little bit of a challenging one, and that's because the title of today's message is Broken Forgiveness, Broken Forgiveness, and we're going to be talking about forgiveness this morning, and what makes this so serious is we're not like talking about like, you know, when I have to forgive our campus pastor, Ryan Fosnock, for making fun of me for playing soccer, and, and he has to forgive me for making fun of his goofy looking ears because he was a wrestler. Uh, you know, we're not talking about, like, forgiving your significant other for waking up late this morning. We're not talking about, like, oh, they burned the toast again. Like, this is a serious conversation, and we're talking about, like, really big things. And the weight of this is not lost on me that some of you are carrying around some real wounds from your past and some real hurts from your past, and, and those things are extremely painful and and it's not lost on me that maybe opening up a conversation on the subject of forgiveness will bring those wounds fresh to the forefront of your mind and your heart. And so while we're talking about forgiveness, it's just, um, I know it's such a serious thing to talk about. And it's serious because the hurts that you're maybe holding on to are real. The pains that you are maybe holding on to and reliving are real and our grip on those things can be really tight. We're going to look at a passage in Matthew chapter 18. If you want to follow along on your phone or in your Bible, you can flip there. Matthew chapter 18 and uh, verses 21 through 35. And I'm just going to read those to start this passage. But as I read those, just know like a little bit of the context here. Jesus is giving his disciples some really practical teaching He's, he's talking about, you know, not causing each other to stumble, and he, he's going on, and he's like, okay, so if somebody sins against you, this is how you should handle it, and these are like your steps. It's really practical stuff, like about our relationships and all that thing, and then, and then he gets to this question that Peter gives him, and that's where we kind of pick it up in verse 21. Can I read it to you? Verse 21, it says, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Don't you love when somebody lays a question out on you and then follows it with another question designed to just have you go like, uh, okay, sure. Whatever it takes not to have this conversation go on any longer. Like, you ever have that happen to you? 
Like, like if your parents, you probably have kids that will do that. Like, they're experts at asking questions. Like, hey, can, Dad, can I play Xbox? Like, a little bit longer. Don't you think that I earned it? <laughs> it's, a, it's a series of questions designed to get you to go, like, yeah, sure, okay. <laughs> Peter, he jumps in with this question, followed with a question, all designed to have, like, Jesus go, like, oh, Peter, how thoughtful of you, seven times, way to go, bro. Like, you're really up in the ante from one. But Jesus responds, and he says, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Or sometimes that's he could be translated seven times, 70 times. Therefore, the, and he goes on to explain this, like it's not about the math. Like you shouldn't be counting, Peter. Nice try to impress me, but you're setting the bar way too low. This is serious business. He goes on to tell the story about the kingdom of God, what it's like in the kingdom of God, how the people of Jesus live. And he, it says this, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold, that's a lot of gold, was brought to him. And since he was not able to pay, how do you even, how do you even rack up a 10,000 bags of gold kind of that's crazy. This guy was working hard at it. <laughs> Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he be sold, all that be sold, all that he had be sold to repay the debt. It's like a serious thing. He's speaking about how debt was handled in their culture and the time and this place in the world. It's getting really practical and really personal for these people who are listening. Maybe they knew somebody, cared about somebody that had that kind of consequence to, of debt dealt out on their lives. Maybe they were, had some debt looming themselves. And At this, it says, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. Didn't work out a game plan. He didn't say, well, let's put a payment plan back together. Let's work out a percentage. Let's keep the points running for six weeks. Like, it wasn't like, oh, well, what can you do a month or a week or a day? Like, can we work out some sort of deal? Let's just take half of what you owe me and I'll leave the other. Didn't work out a plan. It says he canceled the debt. He wiped it out. 10,000 bags of gold, ah, eh, let's let it slide. Am I gonna owe you it later? Nah, we're just calling it even. That's crazy. That's crazy good. What a beautiful thing the king did. It says this, though, his response to this, the servant's response. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. Not a thousand bag of gold, a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him. Jesus is not handling this with gloves on. Can you see that yet? Like, there's no, like, little, I don't know who you think Jesus is, but if you think he's some Birkenstock-wearing hippie who just walked around and talked nicely to everybody all the time and said really cute things once in a while, 
you're, you got the wrong Jesus. Jesus telling the story, he says, when he, ref, uh, his, he says, he grabbed him and began to choke him, yelling, pay back what you owe me. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay off his debt. How's that going to work? When the other servants saw what happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in and said, you wicked servant, he said, I canceled that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I have had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. It would be nice if it ended right there. Like, okay, I don't have to take that too personally. Guy sounds like a tool bag. You know, lock him up. What a maniac. Anger issues. I don't have, you see, until that point, it's like that guy over there who was a tool bag. But then there's this last little hanger of a verse that Jesus puts on that. He says to Peter and he says to us, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you (laughs) unless you forgive your brothers or sister from your heart. Man, somebody say this is serious. The topic of forgiveness and unforgiveness is as serious as the pain that you have been carrying from the wounds that you have had that you are holding on to. It's serious, serious business. You see, it's serious for a whole lot of reasons, but I think one of the major reasons it's so serious is because when we hold on to the hurt and we hold on to the pain, tightly with, with, with our unforgiveness, with our, la- our, our unwillingness to forgive someone, we cannot receive with an open hand what God has for us. So now I wonder how much I've missed, how much I've missed out on in life, how much peace I've missed out on, how much joy I've missed out on, how much happiness. I wonder how many different kinds of things I missed out on because there have been times in my life that I have been unwilling to forgive. I wonder how much you've missed out on. Though your pain is tremendous and the memories of some of those wounds, it's uncomprehendable. And yet I still wonder what you've missed out on because you've been clutching that so tightly, unwilling to forgive, and in a self-inflicted way, unable to receive the best that God has for you. I know why I do it. Do you know why you do it? I know, I know why I am unwilling to forgive sometimes. I know. Like, have you ever thought about why you don't forgive? One of the main reasons I struggle with forgiveness is because anger is just easier. Let's just be like, 
transparent about this conversation if we're going to have it. Sometimes in my life, it's just easier for me to get angry than to push into the deep and meaningful stuff that needs to be done. It's easier for me to get angry and hold anger against somebody than to talk about how I'm hurt, than to, than to admit that they got me, that it stung, that that betrayal was a big deal to me. It's just easier to be angry. It's, it's easier to be angry. I think that, I think that, and I act like that, and that's one of the reasons why I failed to forgive and I hold on to unforgiveness. Another one is because at some level, right, like on some level, I really feel like it's my job to punish them. You ever feel like it's your job to punish them? Come on, some of you have spent days in silence making all kinds of weird faces just to punish the person who has hurt you. You'll, they'll be like, hey, honey, good morning, and you'll be like, you're not talking to me? Listen, even when you're not talking, you're saying a whole lot. <laughs> Some of the faces are awesomely strange that we give out to each other when we're trying to punish the people in our lives. We do that, right? We, we punish people in our lives and we feel like it's our job to punish them so we think about it and we come up with it and we like hold on to it and then we try to deal out the justice that we feel like they deserve. You got me? Oh yeah, I'm gonna get you. I'll make you pay. I'm gonna make you look stupid. I'm gonna embarrass you. You're not getting out of this scot-free again. Have you ever said words? Or thought words like that? Like, yours is coming. I'm not going to feel like this and have you waltz off into tomorrow having a great day. You ruined my day, I'm going to ruin your week. Have you ever thought like that? I've thought like that. Have you ever thought like that? Like, when I'm thinking like that, it's like, I'm going to get you. I'm going to punish you. And, and then I also sometimes hold on to unforgiveness because in my head and my heart, like even sometimes subconsciously, I feel like it's a way of protecting myself. I've been hurt. I'm not going to let it hurt again. You've been hurt. You're not going to fall for that nonsense. Oh, fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice. I forget the rest of the saying that just popped into my head. But you get the idea, right? Somebody's going to email me the rest of that later. And it'll just be another unread message in the 23,000 on my iPhone. <laughs> my little red dots would give you so much anxiety. <laughs> right? Like, in some kind of sick way, I feel like I can protect myself. If I hold up the unforgiveness, if, I, if I'm not forgiving them, then it's not going to happen again. They're always going to pay. I'm going to protect myself. But the reality is that anger is not easier. It seems like it in a moment. But it's, it's an exhausting burden to carry. And the more I hold on to anger and I allow my heart to be angry, the more exhausted and the more frustrated and the more spent, the more toxic, the more sick my heart becomes. It's not easier. And even though I want to punish people, like the real person I'm punishing is me. Like I was never designed to be the judge and jury. It's not my job. 
I think I'm punishing them, but they're thinking about me a whole lot less than I'm thinking about them. I, I think I want them to pay, but the whole time, I'm the one who keeps reliving the hurt and the pain by holding on to it. I'm the one who keeps subjecting myself to that kind of nonsense. I'm the one who I'm punishing when I'm not able to forgive. I want to set it up so that it never happens again, but guess what? People are people and broken. And it might not be the same person that hurts me, but I'm going to be hurt again. Like, I cannot protect myself from that. No matter what walls I build to keep people out, to limit their access to my life, I cannot protect myself by holding on to unforgiveness. There's a whole bunch of messages on boundaries in this series that you can go back and listen to that'll help you protect yourself in a much healthier, godly, biblical way. Peter, he comes into this question asking, what's the least I can do? Where's the limit? Where's the line? At what point am I not responsible for forgiving someone? And God looks into whatever was going on in Peter's head and whatever is going on in your heart right now. And as hard as this may be to hear, believe me, it's hard to say too. He says, there is no line. There's no get out of jail free pass. There's no, that pain was too big. So you're released from the obligation to forgive. There's no line like that when it comes to God. It's serious. I have have a couple lessons I'm gonna lay out for you that I pulled from this and we'll wrap it with a little more Jesus at the end of it. The, The first one I take is it's serious business. As much as the pain is serious, as much as the hurt is serious, as much as the wounds are serious, as much as the damage is serious, forgiveness is serious, and the consequences are serious. Like, it takes serious courage to forgive. It takes serious courage. Forgiving someone is scary. It takes serious courage. It takes serious faith to be able to let go of your wounds and your hurts that you've been holding on to and to trust God with them and to say, your judge, your jury, you are going to hold in perfect account the wounds that I have been dealt and the wounds I have dealt out. You are the one that I can trust this mess in their hands. I can't trust it in mine. It takes serious faith to trust God with your hurts and your brokenness. And it takes a serious will to live above your feelings. We're never supposed to follow our feelings. It's a terrible plan for life. You'll find yourself making terrible decisions because your feelings lie to you sometimes. Because your feelings can't always be trusted. We're never supposed to follow our feelings. We're supposed to follow Jesus. And that means rising above our feelings. The first thing I learned is that, man, this is serious business to God. And and the second thing I take away is that the stakes are really high. Jesus, he doesn't like lay out like, oh, well, if you forgive, you'll have a little bit of a better day. And if you don't forgive, your day will be a little worse. 
<laughs> no, like he's like, the stakes of this are high, Peter. Quit messing around with this little equation. The stakes of forgiving or unforgiving, no matter how heavy the hurt, how big the betrayal, the stakes are really high, and they're not for that person. The stakes are high for you. He paints this picture in the story of the king and the masters of two pictures, one of life and freedom and grace and one of what is like death, losing everything. Which one are you going to choose? Forgiveness, the stakes are so high. The third thing I picked from this is that it's not, forgiveness is not a math equation. It's not a, it's not a sum kind of thing. You, we do that, though, in our fights. Like, we add them up. We love to keep lists. Do you ever do this? I do this sometimes. I'm just going to admit it. You, it's okay if you admit it, too, to yourself. You might not want to admit it to whoever you're sitting right next to, but, like, you know. So faces forward, straight faces. Sometimes we add up stuff and then you get in a fight, right? Have you ever done this? If you've gotten in a fight recently and you're bringing up something three years ago, you have like this whole list and you're like, oh yeah, well, I may have used your toothbrush, but, and then you go back to like 1978, you know, and you're like, pull out the list. I got it on my iPhone. I got a note right here. You want to you wanna do this? Let's do this. You ever been there, right? Like you got your list of things, right? It's not a math equation. It's not about, well, you don't understand. They did this and 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 this, so I'm off the hook. It's not a math equation. You see, Jesus paints a different picture about forgiveness. This is about you. Romans 12 is like a great example and verse 18. It's a verse that says like, as as much as it is up to you, live at peace with everyone. Like you're responsible for your heart. That's your business. This is an equation of your heart. This is about your heart's story. The fourth thing I take away from this is like, I need to be quick to forgive. This guy, a servant who was forgiven much and then didn't forgive very little, he's like quick to deal his version of justice out on the person who wounded him. He's quick to forget that he had just been the recipient of a whole ton of grace. He's quick to forget his own failures, his own weaknesses, his own brokenness. He's quick to forget how it felt when he had a huge debt to pay. He's quick to forget all those things, and he's really fast to remember what somebody else owes him. I don't want to live like that. I don't want to live like that. And so I, as I read this message and the story that Jesus has, I'm like, I need to be quick to forgive. Colossians 3.13 in the NIV says this. It says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Every once in a while when I'm studying the Bible, I always start in like a translation, but every once in a while I read a paraphrased version, and, and the nuance is a little bit different. Like so, the, all a paraphrase is doing is kind of like what I do when I preach. It's trying to just relay the message in a way that we can understand it in our normal language so that we can kind of like pull the practical pieces out. And this one I love in, in Colossians 3 in the, in the message, paraphrased version, it says this. It says, be quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and as completely as your master 
forgives you. I want to be quick to forgive. The fifth thing I take out of this is that forgiveness is a choice, not a feeling. I think sometimes that's my biggest hang-up. I don't, I don't really feel like forgiving. When's the last time you've been hurt and you felt like it? Oh, sun shining, I feel like forgiving today. I mean, if I waited to feel like forgiving, I would hardly ever forgive anyone. You gotta, you gotta live above your feelings. And what I learned about this passage is forgiveness is not a feeling, it's a choice. It's an act of your will. See, sometimes you gotta wake up and decide to forgive and then the anger and the pain pours back in by, by your evening. And then you gotta wake up and you gotta choose to forgive. You gotta choose to forgive. And there have been times in my life where I felt like I was choosing to forgive something over and over and over and over again endlessly. I never felt it. I never felt it. I never felt it. And then all of a sudden, God was releasing me from it. And the more I bent my will to follow him in spite of my feelings, the more he honored that choice with peace and healing. And then one day, and I don't even know what day it was, all of a sudden it didn't sting as much. And then one day, I don't remember what day it was, all of a sudden I felt a little bit freer. This, this issue wasn't taking up so much of my mind. I wasn't reliving it by the hour. And then all of a sudden, one day, it was hardly a thought at all. And all of a sudden, it was a story that God had did something great through to bring me to a place where I could experience joy and peace again. You see, it's not a feeling. It's a choice. And if you're waiting around to forgive somebody you love that hurts you until you feel it, you're going to be waiting a really long time. Free yourself and choose to forgive. See, forgiveness is also not accepting. It's not condoning. It's not reopening yourself to abuse. Go listen to those messages on boundaries. It's so important. Like forgiveness is not those things. It's a choice I make to release the hurt that I have felt and to trust God to deal with the justice part of the situation. God will hold in perfect account the wrongs that we have suffered and the wrongs that we have dealt out. And that's why this last one is the most important one. None of them else even matter. Like if you're taking notes, like now's the time to bust out a highlighter and get a tattoo or something to remember this. Like don't do that. That's really stupid. <laughs> this is the most important. You cannot do this on your own strength. You can only forgive the way God calls us to forgive. Only forgive the way God calls us to forgive. By being empowered, by knowing God and his heart for you and his heart for the person who has wounded you. You can only know. 
You can only be empowered to forgive like this by knowing God and his heart and his grace and his unconditional love. And all this incredible things that he, has, he wants to give to you and lavish on you. You can only be empowered by understanding your own need for grace. If you don't know your own need for forgiveness, you will never be able to forgive others the way God has called you to forgive I gotta remember how broken I was and how messed up I was and how hurtful I was to others sometimes and how I said those things and I did those things and I needed forgiveness too. And then all of a sudden there was this Jesus on a cross offering that to me freely. That's what his grace is. And forgiveness, being able to forgive, it starts with understanding grace and my need for it. I needed to be forgiven of something I couldn't repay. I needed to be forgiven of something I couldn't fix. I needed it. And there Jesus was saying, come to me. I have this thing called grace, my unmerited favor. I love you and I like you and you didn't do anything to deserve that. My unmerited pardon. I want to forgive you and give you a new heart. Heart, and you didn't do anything to earn that. It's just here through faith in me. Do you trust me? You see, you can only be empowered to forgive by knowing God and his heart for you and understanding your need for his grace and then experiencing his forgiveness. And that's why God says, forgiven people forgive. There's no qualifier. There's no if, there's no but. Forgiven people forgive, period. As I think about it, I think about Jesus in Luke 23, verse 34, on the cross. The soldiers are gathered around him, casting lots for his clothes. So all kinds of people watching and had been watching this gruesome scene play out as he Put his body through just unbelievable torment for us. And there in that verse, hanging on the cross, surrounded by those spewing hate, enjoying his suffering, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And when I see that Jesus, I am moved to make a declaration in my heart. And maybe this can be your declaration too today if you are struggling with forgiving. And this declaration I make when I see that Jesus on that cross dealing unmerited forgiveness to people who are hurting him far greatly, far more greatly than I had ever been hurt. My declaration is this. I'm not going to wait to forgive. I'm going to choose forgiveness. I'm going to choose it even if it still hurts, even if I'm still in the middle of the mess. I'm going to choose it, and I'm going to let go and trust God with my broken heart. I don't understand forgiveness, or forgiveness and everything in my heart wants to hold on to unforgiveness, but I know that he has said, forgiven people forgive. And so as hard as it may be some days, I'm gonna let go. I know that freedom and peace are on the other side of forgiveness for those who choose to forgive others. 
And no matter what, I'm going to trust him with this really hard part of life. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for being close to the brokenhearted. And if this has been a message that has stirred up that kind of stuff, I know it can be. I just pray that those who are broken would know your peace, your presence. It's heavy stuff. Heavy. And hurtful. But we trust you. And if you say that as your children we're to forgive, then give us the courage. Give us the faith. Give us the will to rise above our feelings and to, to let it go. It does not mean that we subject ourselves to those people doesn't mean we even have a conversation with those people. But there was no qualifier that they needed to say sorry. We're just called to forgive. We know that we can't have any sort of deep and meaningful, intimate relationship if we're unwilling to. And we admit that we have let unforgiveness have a grip on our heart for too long. We probably have missed out on so many blessings. So much peace. So would you help us to have the power through your strength, through knowing you and your grace, to forgive others. In Jesus' name, amen.